Hey, this is Pastor Jeff Workmeister of Elevate Church, and welcome to our podcast. I want to thank you for listening today. I hope this inspires you, encourages you, and builds your faith. Enjoy the podcast. The other day I thought to myself, what does this word Hosanna mean? And so I looked up the definition. It means adoration, praise, and joy. And I'm full of a lot of praise. Because for me, I've made a decision in my life that I'm never going to allow the cross of Jesus Christ to become something common in my life. He took all of my guilt. He took all of my shame. He took all of my sin, the sin that I should pay for. You should pay for it. But in the goodness of God the Father, he sent his son, and Jesus took it all for you. So I praise the Lord for that. I'm full of joy because Jesus died, went and defeated death, hell, and the grave. But you know what my favorite part is? He rose back to life. Because here's the deal. If Jesus doesn't rise, we don't rise. But Jesus rose, and because Jesus rose, we're going to see him in the clouds. We're going to rise with Jesus. So we're full of excitement, praise, joy for him. But I thought to myself, okay, I want to know what was the original language? What were these people shouting and praising as Jesus was coming into the city? And so I looked it up. The meaning in the Hebrew language means this. Please, Lord, please save us. Lord, please save us. So when they're saying, Hosanna, what they're really saying was, Jesus, save us. Jesus, we need you. Jesus, we're desperate for you. Now, here's the thing. In that day and time, that culture, they were desperate for Jesus to be their king. They they wanted Jesus to come save them from the rule of the Roman Empire. But here's the deal. Jesus wasn't coming for that. Jesus wasn't coming to take care of the political landscape of the day and the time. So what was he coming to do? He was coming to do one thing that he still doing today because the other day I was asking the Lord I said Lord the Lord the world's so crazy you ever seen that that crazy like scary movie where that lady's head like starts spinning you know what I mean and like it's about to pop up I'm like that's what's happening to the world right now the world's like spinning and I was like Lord what are you doing he said I'm doing the same thing I've always done I'm seeking and saving those who are lost That's why Jesus came. Go with me to Luke chapter 15. Luke 15, verse 1, it says this. Many dishonorable tax collectors, tax collectors really should be gangsters or mobsters, other notorious sinners often gathered around to listen to Jesus as he taught the people. Isn't it interesting that people who are living lives very, very differently than Jesus wanted to be close to Jesus? Because here's the thing that happens when you get close to Jesus. All you feel is love. There's never guilt. There's never shame. There's never condemnation. And they wanted to be close to him. 
Verse 2, it says this. But this race concerns with the religious leaders, the experts of the law. And they grumbled and complained, saying, look at this man associating with these notorious sinners. And he welcomes them into him. Religion always puts themselves higher than other people, lifts themselves up, puts them on a pedestal. This is why a lot of times the world doesn't want to be close to the church. Because the church exalts themselves above them. We're not above anybody. We're just a bunch of sinners saved by grace. One of my favorite things that people say when they come to our church, they say, we don't, we just don't, we don't feel judged. I'm like, well, praise God, because it's never going to come from me. And it's not coming from Jesus, because Jesus came for you. Amen? So Jesus had a response to them, and this was his response in verse 4. He says, there once was a shepherd with a hundred lambs, but one of the lambs wandered away and got lost. So the shepherd left the 99 lambs out in an open field, searching Remember what the Lord said, I'm searching in the wilderness for the one lamb. He didn't stop until he found it. And with great exuberant joy, he raised it up, placed it on his shoulders, and carried it back with cheerful delight. I love that this picture of Jesus is a picture that when somebody gets lost, he's not angry when he finds him. Aren't you thankful? Come on, somebody. Returning home, he called his friends and his neighbors together. He said, let's have a party. P.S. Jesus is pro-party. <laughs> okay. I can't wait to get to heaven. I can't wait to party in heaven. Man, it's going to be the greatest party. It says, come celebrate with me. The return of my lost lamb. It wandered away, but I found it and I brought it back. This is blowing the minds of these religious people because they cannot understand how do you celebrate those who have been disobedient. Jesus bring the new, new covenant. Verse 7, Jesus continued in the same way. There will be glorious celebration in heaven over one who is rescued, that sinner who repents. Now, we talked about this a few months ago in a series about what this word repent means. And the word repent means this, because of the cross of Jesus, we return to grace. If you look in the Hebrew and you break it down letter by letter, it means because of what Jesus did on the cross, because of the cross of Jesus, we return to grace. So how do we overcome in this life? It is through the grace in the cross of Jesus Christ. Point number one today is this. Who and what is the job of the shepherd? Well, number one, the shepherd is Jesus. Okay. And his job is simply put, it's a leader life. Direct our life. Psalms 23, verse 1, it says, The Lord is my shepherd to feed, to guide, to shield me. I shall not want. Why do I not want? Because I'm with the shepherd, and the shepherd is leading me to victory after victory, glory after glory. It's his job. Verse 2. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside 
still quiet waters. He refreshes and restores my life. He leads me on the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the sunless, darkest places of death in my life. Because here's the deal. We're going to walk through some tough times in this life. But the great news is this. Is Jesus is going to lead you through. He knows how to get you through. He knows how to get you through that pain. He knows how to get you through that grief. He knows how to get you through those tough times. He knows because he's a shepherd. And it says this, I fear no evil. Why? Because he's right beside me. He's walking with me. Your rod protects me. Your staff guides me. And you comfort and console me. I love that the Lord goes, I know when you're going through hard times and I know how to comfort your soul. I know the exact thing to say to you at the exact moment. So the job of Jesus is to lead us. Now, I think a lot of times we associate this in just spiritual matters. And yes, he will lead our soul and he will lead our spirit, but he wants to lead lead your everyday life. He wants to lead you to the right job. Can I get an amen from anybody? Like, yeah, I want the right job. He wants to help you be the father that maybe your father wasn't some, to you. He wants to help your marriage. He wants to guide your money. He wants to guide everything in your life. Listen, it says this, he leads us to green pastures. What does that mean? It means places of provision and blessing. Can I get an amen? Anybody want that? I know I do. Beside quiet still waters, that's places that refresh your soul, that's places of rest and peace. He restores the broken. This is his job. But here's the deal. He tells us something key in this passage. He tells all of us that we're what? We're sheep. And what do sheep do? Sheep get in trouble, okay? Now, here's the deal. Is Drew back there? Is Drew, is, he's in broadcast? Not, no, no, no. Drew, my, my man. Yes, here he comes. Here we go. Now, here's the deal. I didn't have a sheep because I'm not a shepherd, okay? But we got a puppy today, okay? All right? Now, bring this, bring this buddy up here, okay? Hi. Hi, baby. Listen, this is Butter, okay? This is, this is his name. His name is Butter. Is he tired right now? Yeah. Yeah, he's yeah. About, to, he about to go to sleep. He's going to pass out. He's about to pass out, okay. Now, now here's the deal. Puppies are kind of like sheep, okay? Now, here's what we know about puppies. Now, he might not because he's a little tired right now, okay? Yeah. All right. But puppies, what do they do? They wander, Okay. And they do what? They get into trouble, okay? I remember the first time we had a puppy, okay? Look, there he goes. He's, he's searching, wandering, looking, okay? What, what's he going to do? He's going to make messes, right? We had a puppy for one day, okay, guys, one day. That puppy came into my house. The first thing that puppy did was walked into my living room, did three circles, and took a big dump on my carpet, okay? Why? Because puppies make messes. Puppies do what? They eat things they shouldn't. They wander off. Look, he's like, oh, I wonder what's over here. You know what I mean? I haven't seen this part of the stage. 
Why? Because he's a puppy. This is what he does. Give it up for butter, everybody. Come on, somebody. Oh, I love you. Yes, yes. Okay. I got a wet nose now. So what is Jesus saying to us? You're sheep. And you're going to wander. And you're going to get lost. Now, here's the truth about this passage. For many of us that believe in Jesus, when we, be, when we read this passage, we see it through this lens and this scope. He's talking about those that don't know Jesus. Those who are lost and they have no relationship with Jesus. And yes, Jesus is talking about those people. And you may be one of those people today. Today may be the first day that you've heard the good news of Jesus Christ. And we're so excited about that. But here's the other thing that I want you to see. The Bible says this, Jesus is the shepherd. And these sheep, meaning us, they were already connected. They were already connected to Jesus. Meaning what? That just like people in the world get lost, we get lost too. So when we read this passage, we can't disconnect from this. We do this all the time in the Bible. We go, oh, Jesus is talking about somebody else. No, no, he's talking about you and I. He's talking about how we get lost. Because here's the deal. We wander away all the time, finding our identity no longer in Jesus, but in other things. We find our identity in our kids' sports. We find our identity in, you know, building a business. We find our identity in a new project that we're hoping and believing that's going to make us happy. We get lost in grief and anger and pain. We get lost in our own human reasoning, in our own human perspectives. We get lost chasing things like culture, chasing our family's expectations, chasing things that we're scrolling on all the time. We get lost all the time. Why? Because the enemy knows exactly how to tempt you. He studies you. He knows you. And he knows how to tempt you, and he knows what to tempt you with, and he knows the greatest desire in your soul is to be what? To be known and to, be, to feel known, to feel accepted, to be seen, that you go, yes, somebody sees me, somebody knows me, somebody recognizes me. And the enemy knows exactly how to get you to what? To wander. Because Jesus will have you over here. He'll have you in green pastures. He'll have you safely next to him. And all of a sudden, what happens? Out of the corner of our eye, we see some other grass. And we're like, I'll be right back, Jesus. I'm going to check what's out over here. You know what I mean? Now, here's what's interesting. The enemy deceives us because we believe that there's something missing in our lives that Jesus can't fulfill and he can. Oh, that was really good. That was really good. He deceives us because we believe that there's something that Jesus isn't taking care of that he will. Okay? And so he gets us to wander off, okay? Let me give you an example of this. And listen, 
I could make an example out of a bunch of things. We could take money, we could take your marriage, dating relationships, job, friends, possessions, sex. We could, we could take a bunch of different things because the enemy knows how to tempt you. He knows how to make it exactly for you. But I'll, I'll give you an example of this. Like, let's take um, uh, kids' sports, right? And listen, I love all of you and I love all of your kids and I'm excited about your kids. But I haven't met one kid in Elevate Church. I'm like, they're going pro. (laughs) I played high school basketball. I played college basketball. I wasn't even sniffing semi-pro, okay? So here's what happens. So the enemy goes, why don't you come on over here and eat some of this grass? What is he really saying? He's saying... Why don't you put your identity in your kids and their sports and their activities, right? Why don't you find your relationships over here in your kids' sports? Why don't you find your joy and your purpose through your kids? Why don't you find the joy of seeing them succeed in something you never did before, right? And so we wander, and we wander over to these other pastures, And here's what's interesting about these other pastures. It looks real. It's green. It looks lush. It's super tempting. And we wander off from Jesus. We wander off on the internet. We wander off in other relationships outside of our marriage. We wander off in our hearts. We wander off from worshiping Jesus. We start worshiping culture and we start worshiping possessions and we need more and we need more and we come on over and we're like, I'm going to try this grass. I'm going to try this, this pasture. And we get real close to it and we're like, oh man, I'm going to take a big bite. <laughs> like, what the heck? I'm going to try this again, right? Isn't that interesting, human nature? The enemy leads us away, and we're like, man, that was awful. I'm going to try it again, okay? (laughs) I'm going to give it another chance. Oh, gosh. I'm, like, choking myself, okay? (laughs) I think I got some of my teeth, okay? And, And what happens? We go, that's not real, that's not real. I remember one time, Michael, our oldest, he was like 11 years old, and he was having his friend Wyatt over to spend a night. It was the first time he was going to spend a night, and they were playing basketball, and so Jess decided, she's like, I'm going to cook, and I'm going to cook a roast. Who wants some roast right now? Doesn't that sound good? I mean, it's a, it's a good, juicy roast, okay? I mean, like, you open up that crock pot, the smell comes out, there's juice everywhere, you slice in, it's falling apart. Man, we've all had just wonderful roasts like that, okay? So we, we bring Wyatt in and, and Michael, and we all sit down, and, and we pray, and we're going to eat, okay? And so Jess goes over to the crock pot, and instead of pulling out a roast, she pulled out a brick, okay? It was a, it was a brick, and, and she laid it on, on the counter, and, and we sliced in, and it was not juicy, okay? And it was not falling apart, and it was hard. And it was tough. And we sat down and we ate. And, and we're all kind of nibbling. And poor Wyatt, 
poor wife, this good kid is just eating this nasty brick, okay? just shoveling it down his throat. And I was like, Wyatt, I was like, have you ever had roast before? And he goes, oh yeah, my mom makes it all the time. I said, Wyatt, that's not roast, okay? And I am sorry. It is time to put that away. We're going to order some pizza. I was like, are you good with that? He's like, oh yeah. He's like, that sounds real good, okay? It's fake. It's fake. And the enemy, he knows how to deceive us. And some of us are wondering, why am I so hungry and thirsty all the time? It's because you're eating fake grass. You're eating the fake. See, the enemy, the only thing he can do is twist and pervert what God has created. That's, just, that's all he can do. So anything he feeds us is fake. And we think, we think, oh, why am I not happy? I became the boss. I thought I would be happy when I became the boss. I thought I would be happy when we moved. I thought I'd be happy when we went to the lake house. I thought I would be happy when we had that family photo shoot and it was perfect and I posted it and a hundred people liked it. Right? I thought I was going to be happy. And we just keep coming back to fake grass. Now, what's the problem? The problem is this. As a sheep, sheep are designed to follow the shepherd. So we as sheep, as followers of Jesus, are designed to follow Jesus. See, we were created by Jesus, we were created through Jesus, and we were created for Jesus. The problem is we just get lost. And we wander away. And then we have that moment. You ever seen a kid in a store get lost? That moment when they realize that they're lost? And they just freak out. They're like, what the heck? Where's mom? Where's dad? Where did they go? And we do the same thing with God. We're like, God, where'd you go? I can't tell you how many people I talk to. They go, I, just, I, I don't know where God went. I don't know where his grace went. I don't know where his love went. I don't know where his mercy went. I don't know where he went. See, the problem is this. Jesus never left you. You left Jesus. You wandered. You strayed. You went looking for your identity somewhere else outside of Jesus. We all do this. I want to ask you three questions today. The first question is this. What will you do when Jesus comes for you? Because he's coming. This is exactly what the Bible said. He loves you so much. He is searching for you. He is seeking after you. He is looking. He is trying to find you. And he will find you. The grace of God will find you. The goodness of God will find you. It will hunt you down. You cannot run. I promise you, you can't hide. The grace of God will find you. But what are you going to do when it finds you? 
Because here's the deal. Will you let him bring you back? Or will shame and guilt keep you bound? See, here's what's so interesting about the enemy. The Lord's got you over here. He's feeding you. He's loving you. He's taking real good care of you. And all of a sudden, you see a little lust over there. I'm going to get real real right now. And you're like, man, yeah, I'm not really feeling everything in my marriage. I'm not really getting everything I want, desire, and need right now. And so lust grabs your attention. And you wander off. And you eat a little lust. And the enemy told you that you'd be happy over here. The enemy told you that you would find the joy and the fulfillment, find what you're looking for. You'd be seen, you'd be known. You'd find what you're looking for over here. And so you wander off and you take a bite. But isn't it interesting, the moment you take a bite is the same moment that you are filled with shame and remorse and guilt See, the enemy knows what he's doing. He's been doing it from the beginning of the world. Hey, Eve, isn't it wrong that the Lord isn't giving you this wisdom? Hey, Eve, isn't it wrong that the Lord is holding something back from you? Listen, there's time God holds things back from you because he knows it'll destroy you. He knows it'll destroy you. And the enemy comes, he goes, isn't it wrong that God's holding this from you? Come on over here. I'll give you what you want. I'll give you what is missing. I'll fulfill you. I'll take care of you. Isn't it interesting that the very moment that Eve took a bite, she noticed and she recognized that she was naked? She didn't even know she was naked. But the very moment she took a bite, she was like, whoa, something's wrong. What was wrong? It was a moment that guilt and shame flooded her soul. Same thing happens in our relationship with Jesus. We wander off, we take a bite of something, and that's the very moment guilt and shame come in. But Jesus, but Jesus, but Jesus in his goodness and his grace loves you so much. Then he goes, hey, one of my sons, one of my daughters, they're missing. Send out a rescue search. Send out a rescue party. We got to find them. But what are you going to do when the rescue search finds you? Because too often, guilt and shame is so deep in us that we can't receive the grace and the goodness of God. Because we think, I'll fix it. I'll fix it. Jesus, let me fix this before I come back home. And he goes, no, 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 no. Let me fix it. Let me heal you. Let me restore you. Second question is this. Why does Jesus carry the sheep back? Hey, Clayton, will you come here real quick? I'm going to try something. Okay. All right, you ready? Oh, oh. 
Oh, Jesus. Woo! I don't know how far I can carry you. We good? We're good. You good? I'm not going to kill you. Is the chiropractor here today? Yeah, I, I hope he is. Thank you. Doesn't that look crazy? Looks crazy. Why, why does Jesus go, I want to pick you up. I want to carry you. Let me tell you something. Life outside of Jesus and his ways, it's hard. It's hard. And I promise you, it'll cost you more than you ever expected. And it will leave you weak. When you're caught in sin, when you're caught in shame, when you're caught in the trap, in the lies of the enemy, you're never confident. You're never secure. You're weak. You've lost your way. You're lost. And Jesus, in his goodness, goes, listen, let me carry the burdens and the weight and the pressure and the anxiety and the fear and the insecurity that's going on in your soul. Let me carry you back home. Let me carry this to victory. I'm going to tell you, this is the hardest thing, the biggest thing I struggle with all the time is letting God carry the load. I want to be in control. I want to be in control. I want to carry it. I want to be strong enough. And God tells me all the time, I didn't design you to be strong enough. I designed you to trust me. I designed you to let me lead you. I designed you to allow me to carry you to victory. This is why he carries us. Third question is this, will you worship Jesus? Will you worship him alone? The other day I was praying and there's been a couple things I've just been struggling with to trust Jesus for. And the Holy Spirit and His goodness and His grace found me. And He said, will you stop worshiping those things? You worship this fear more than you worship me. You worship this anxiety more than you worship me. You worship these situations more than you worship me. This is all you think about all day, every day, every day. It's running in your head. You're worshiping it all day. He said, will you stop worshiping things, these things and start worshiping me? Sometimes we get led astray. Sometimes we wander of our own doing. Because we wander off into fear. We wander off into anxiety. We wander off into trying to fix things on our own and making it happen in our own strength and doing it on my own. See, verse 6, it says this, returning home, he called together his friends and his neighbors, and he called them together, and he said, let's have a party. Come celebrate with me the return of my lost lambs. See, every Sunday, 
is a celebration of lost lambs coming back home to Jesus. Every Sunday is a celebration of the goodness and the grace and the goodness of God. Every Sunday is a celebration of His mercies that are fresh and new every morning. Every Sunday is a celebration of us going, I was lost, but He has found me. And He finds me day after day after day. Will you worship Jesus? Because here's what I love. Those who have eaten fake grass long enough, they finally come to a place and they go, I can't take the fake anymore. I can't do the fake anymore. I can't do fake church anymore. I can't do this fake life that I'm living anymore. I can't hide this stuff anymore. I can't hide this sin anymore. I can't hide this life anymore. I can't hide anymore. And I can't eat another piece of fake grass. I need something that is real. I need something that's gonna satisfy my soul. I need something that's gonna lead and guide me and give me revelation and give me truth. I need something that's gonna Take me out of this pit and lead me to victory. I need something that's going to change my life. And that's what Jesus came for. When they're singing Hosanna. Hosanna in the highest. They're saying, Jesus, come save me. Jesus, come save my lost life. Come save my lost soul. Be my shepherd. One of the things that we talk to the staff about all the time is this idea of surrenderance. God will move as fast or as slow as you allow him. The quicker you surrender, the more he'll do. The more you surrender your finances, the more you surrender your children, the more you surrender your marriage. Listen, God has a, God has a plan for your marriage. The problem was I was just working against it. God has a plan. God had a plan for my marriage. There's a biblical plan for my marriage. There's a biblical plan for your marriage. Are you surrendering to it? There's a reason we struggled financially for so long. We just couldn't get behind God's plan. God has a plan. And the quicker you surrender, the faster you'll see his grace and his goodness and his might and his power bring you into victory. Amen. Why don't you stand up this morning?